0: Welcome to On the Mark with Mark Phages, a college basketball podcast. On this episode, Ohio State is rising while Michigan stands firmly in first in the Big Ten Conference. Scores from around the Big 12 SEC Challenge and a tip of the hat to a late great coaching icon. Stay right here, folks. This is On the Mark with Mark Phages. Good afternoon and welcome to On the Mark with Mark Phages. A college basketball podcast. I'm Mark. This is my podcast. It's all about Division One college basketball. I'm going to be talking about a plethora of things over the next hour, um, including we're going to be talking about the Big 12 SEC Challenge in our signature uh, segment Guru Vision at the end. Also going to be talking about all my favorite mid-major programs that uh, – keeping you up to par on the little guys out there in college basketball. There's going to be some – we're going to have a tribute to uh, one of the late, great coaches in college basketball. And to start things off, I'm going to start with the Big Ten breakdown, which is I'm going to give you a little bit about what's going on around the Big Ten, bring in my producer, Smith Coltrane, and uh, we're going to give you a little insight right now on what's going on in the Big Ten. Wisconsin won a pair of games. They beat Maryland um, behind Micah Potter's 23 points and 12 rebounds. Potter also led the Minnesota uh, – no, Wisconsin over Minnesota, who Minnesota has been uh, fluctuating back and forth um, as far as their success and their fa- their setbacks. Um Minnesota is a team that uh, I've talked about a couple times, and they're sitting between bookend losses. They've got two; they they've lost four of their last five games. Two they took two losses, had a huge win to give the Michigan Wolverines their only loss of the uh, of of the year, followed by two more losses. So Minnesota is. Um, having trouble staying up with the biggest in the pack, even though they knocked off one of the, the number four ranked team in the country. Micah Potter's been their leader. He's a former Ohio State Buckeye, and uh, they also have a, a kid from Huber Heights, which is a Dayton product, named Demetrix Trice, uh, 14 points, five rebounds, and five assists a game. Like I said, Minnesota's struggled, but they've stayed in the top 25. Are they still in the top 25, Randall?
1: Yes, Wisconsin is still in the top 25. I'm not for no, sure where they're ranked in the top I'm 25. I'm sorry,
0: not man. not Wisconsin, the Minnesota Gophers.
1: Minnesota, I'm not for sure about Minnesota. Because
0: they've lost four or five. If they're still in, ranked in the top 25, mm-hmm. it's because the Gophers have 11 wins. Um, going to talk a little bit about some of the better teams in the Big Ten. Number four, uh, Michigan is in the middle of four postponed games. So Michigan is ranked fourth in the country. They sit on only one loss. Those postponed games might actually help the Wolverines in the aspect that they won't have to play for a few weeks and uh, can hang around with one loss. They're led by Hunter Dickinson. We've talked about Dickinson before over the course of the last couple weeks. He averages 15 points, seven rebounds, and one and a half blocks a game. Iowa is led by Smith Coltrane's favorite player of all time, Luca Garza, 26 points, nine rebounds, and two blocks. Not, not. uh, I'm being sarcastic, of course, my friend.
1: Uh, actually, not to cut you off, but there's a correction. Minnesota is not in the top 25 anymore. They actually dropped out. They were 21 um, last week, That's but they dropped out. Iowa. Uh, I was talking about Iowa. They've also got a.
0: They're they're a loaded team. They've got a lot of weapons. They got Joe Wisecamp, who's averaging almost 15 points and six and a half boards a game, and also a, a sophomore by the name of CJ Frederick, who's averaging nine points, two and a half points a game, but Frederick is averaging over 50% from behind the arc. So, uh, dangerous, dangerous guy coming off the bench, I think. I don't know if Frederick starts or not. But, um, so that's a couple of them. We're going to, I'm going to talk about a few more in a minute, but, uh, kind of wanted to pick at the brain of my producer, Smith Coltrane, over the noticeable, um, lack of success that's going on with the Michigan State Spartans. As we know well, um, Smith knows as well as I do, that Izzo is a genius when it comes to the NCAA tournament. He regularly goes to the Sweet 16. It's actually some sort of a record that the Spartans have as far as how many Sweet Sixteens they've been to over the course of so however many years? Um, I I asked Randall smith Coltrane to uh, think about this a little bit last night, and I'm wondering if you if you have any idea what's going on when it comes to Tom Izzo and the setbacks of the Michigan State Spartans.
1: Um, we'll get to that in one. Um One second, I got a question from Todd McClendon. He said, what's the last Big Ten team that won the title? And to bring that up, I – it has to be Michigan State. Michigan State won the title in 2000 with the Flintstones.
0: He's he's hearing us talk about Michigan State and trying to sneak one in. Right, there trying to us. sneak one in there. We knew who it was, <laughs> we Todd. We see you, Todd. We see you. The
1: Flintstones with uh, Mateen Cleaves, Mo Peet, and we better be um, Charlie right, though. Bell. It, it better, oh, it better yeah. be
0: Michigan State or he's going to come and get us now.
1: Now, I also think there's, you know, a few years ago you had Michigan go to the national championship with Trey Burke. That's and true. Then you had the Ohio State Buckeyes go to the National Championship uh, back in 07 with Greg Oden at that, five and those guys. Um, but back to your question about what's going on with Michigan State, from what I saw, it, it was a typical Michigan State team for me. And One thing you always see with Michigan State is they go out and they play the top teams every year. Some people were calling Tom Mizzo crazy early on in his career for scheduling all these good teams in the beginning. But you would always see that turn around February and and March tournament time with Michigan State because they were battle-tested. And you would not always see that great record out of them, but you would see that turn from them come tournament time. And they just always look like a different team In the tournament from any other Big Ten team because I think of those non-conference games.
0: So, do we know what's going on now in the now? Like, what what is holding back this Spartans team now? Well, what um, have they had to have suffered a lot of losses, I gather? But what's can you tell me? What's holding back this squad?
1: Um, From what I see, I think it's um, guard play. They don't have a lot of uh, good guard play. They got Rocket Watts, and they have Lankford. Langford's who's been there for a while, but he's not that typical big-time guard that you usually see out of Michigan State, like the Kalen Lucases, the Mateen Marcus Cleaves. Taylors, the Mateen Cleaves. Yeah. They just don't have that backcourt right now. I think Rocket Watts will be that guy, but right now it's just it's not clicking for them. And, I mean, due to COVID, it's a wacky year, so it's hard to see. And and um, one thing I want to say is, Maryland won the national championship in 2002 when they were a part of the ACC. So I guess you might want to count that, Todd, as a national championship for the Big Ten in 2002.
0: But that wasn't, that wasn't before Izzo, Izzo. Was that?
1: That was after. That was 2002.
0: Oh, wow. So we're saying that, that Izzo is the last guy, guy to win a national and, championship?
1: And you, Izzo was the last guy. And you know what? You what know who Maryland that? beat? What year was
0: that? The Michigan State.
1: 2000.
0: You're saying – so we're saying that 2000 is the last time a Big Ten team has won the national championship, Smith? Yes. Okay, Gotcha. you. You
1: know who Maryland beat in 2002, if I'm not mistaken? I want to look it up real fast, but do you remember that team they beat? 2002, we're talking about Maryland. Yep. Gary Williams. Yep. Um. Big Ten team.
0: Dixon, right? Wasn't Dixon there? Dixon their was on guy? that
1: team, Baxter.
0: Oh man, they beat a Big Ten team. They
1: beat a Big Ten well, team. Well,
0: I guess if I guess if we're talking Big Ten teams and we're talking Smith Coltrane, it
1: must have been Ohio State. No, no, uh, it was one of your favorite teams. <laughs> one of your favorite teams. Indiana. Indiana.
0: In, oh, I forgot about that. That was with the uh, Big Forward Davis. Davis was the coach, right? Davis was the coach Davis and they had the, the big game.
1: forward Jeffries.
0: Yes, yes. How am I forgetting that, yep, man? Yep, yep. Shame on the uh the loosely a Hoosiers fan. I like I like them folks. uh, We've run the course of the, uh, the big 10 breakdown. We didn't, uh, do you want to say anything about Ohio state for a minute? Randall,
1: Uh, we can actually come back and talk about it. um, Since we're over the time for the next, we can come in and talk about it next.
0: That's fine. That's uh, the big 10 breakdown. I'm going to, we're going to talk a little bit more, extend the big 10 breakdown to the next break. Stay tuned folks on the mark with Mark Fages. Do you have design ideas for t-shirts but you're not
2: sure where to go? Go to Mojo Sports Gear. That's right, Mojo Sports Gear. At Mojo Sports Gear, you can get custom-made shirts. Whatever design you need, Mojo Sports Gear can provide it. Don't forget to grab a custom-made cap on your way out and lock the best headgear in the game. Give them a call at 614-864-6656. That's 614-864-6656.
0: Welcome back to On the Mark with Mark Fages, a college basketball podcast. I'm Mark. I hope you enjoyed the first segment. We didn't even get through the entire Big Ten. We're going to finish up talking about Iowa, how they've got their uh, their couple draft guys that are going to be draft picks in Sun DeSunmu and Kofi Cockburn, but also wanted to mention that they've got a pretty good player in Trent Frazier, who averages 10 points, three rebounds, and just under three assists per game. 24th ranked Purdue, we had mentioned them last week, and they beat Ohio State within the last two weeks and it has propelled them into the top 25. Their are leading players, Travion Williams, who's averaging 15 points and 10 rebounds a game. So Travion's averaging a double-double. Uh, they've also got Sasha Stefanovic, who you would think is from – somewhere in Europe, but Sasha Stefanovic was actually born in Indiana. He's averaging 11 points, three rebounds, and two assists per game. I have to bring up Brandon Newman, uh, who's averaging 10 points and three rebounds a game. He is shooting 96% from the free throw line. So if you're playing the Boilermakers, you don't want to have to foul Brandon Newman. He's going to hit his free throws. That comes to uh, the part of the Big Ten breakdown that if you've watched shows in the past, you know, Smith Coltrane loves this part because it's about the Ohio State Buckeyes. What's going on in Buckeye land, Smith Coltrane?
1: There's a whole lot going on in Buckeye land, um, moved up in the ratings. Uh, but before we get on the Buckeyes, I want to talk about a guy, just a guy to watch out for for the Illinois um, fighting Illini. Andre... Curbelo, he's a six one hundred ninety pound freshman for the Illini. He was the former teammate of Zed Key in New York. Uh, the um the also the freshman for Ohio State. Couple he came big, in and couple, scored a couple Big Ten freshmen. Couple Big Ten freshmen. He came. They're probably battling for Big Ten freshman of the year right now with Dickinson. Um, Curbelo, he came in and scored twelve points last night against Indiana. Had a pretty decent game. Um, but as far as the Buckeyes go. The Buckeyes are climbing up. They're peaking right at a time that they're supposed to be peaking. Um, as we're going into February, we're going into the tough stages of the conference. The Buckeyes are doing a lot of good things offensively and defensively. They're um, getting a lot of scoring from a lot of guys. Obviously, EJ Liddell's leading the way. You got guys like Dwayne Washington Jr. who's scoring. You got Seth Towns who's coming in off the bench, giving you good buckets. You got CJ Walker, who's came back from an injury, who's giving you good buckets. You got Kyle Young, who's kind of holding that fort down steady. He's coming in getting you good buckets. Um Zay Key's coming in giving you good buckets off the bench. And, you know, That's what,
0: most of the lineup and That's uh, a lot of the lineup. 've got you've got all those players on the number seven ranked team in the country hope we can go ahead and move on there Randall I we, we got all your players in there and uh, is there anything you want to say about the upcoming week in the next in just a couple seconds maybe what to expect from Ohio State this week
1: um, got a big game coming up with uh, the Iowa Hawkeyes. Interested to see how the Buckeyes play against this size that um, Iowa has because they do have Luca Garza, who's up for the Naismith Award. Um, Buckeyes had a good game against Koofy Cockburn, and he's a little bit bigger than Luka Garza. So I'm interested to see how um, uh, the Buckeyes play against the um, Iowa Hawkeyes. They're, num- they're rated number eight. One thing with the Buckeyes is that there's a lot of scoring this year. There hasn't always been a lot of scoring with the Buckeyes. You might have one or two scores, but like I mentioned, those names, I don't think I mentioned Musa Jallo, but the Buckeyes have scores this year. So be on the lookout for the Buckeyes. Going forward.
0: So a top ten matchup this week between the Buckeyes and the Iowa Hawkeyes. Moving on to another one of my segments. This one's called Mid-Major Minutes. Going to tell you about some of the small schools that are uh, doing things, doing big things in their own way throughout NCAA college basketball. The Rams of Colorado State beat Boise. I was talking to you all last week about the Mountain West and – Uh, The Mountain West, like a lot of conferences, are doing back-to-back games. They either go to one one university or the other, and they do back-to-back nights, which is an interesting concept in that it gives you a revenge game the next night. If you lose on Tuesday night, you have a chance at redemption on Wednesday. So if there's anything good to be said that could come out of this COVID thing, it's that a lot of these – The smaller conferences are doing two back-to-back games at a time, which uh, causes for a different scenario that we're not always accustomed to seeing. Um, Boise remains the best team in the Mountain West. The Rams gave them their second loss, but then lost to Boise the next night. The Rams of Colorado State are 12 and 4 chasing the 14 and 2 Boise State Broncos that play Nevada two times next this week. In the Atlantic Sun, the Liberty Flames lead the Atlantic Sun at 14 and 5. I wanted to bring up that the Bellarmine Knights have won 6 straight. And this is only the first year for the Bellarmine Knights to be eligible for Division One postseason play. You know, the, the University of Northern Arizona or Northern Alabama is along with Bellarmine chasing the Liberty Knights in the A-Sun. A couple of undefeated teams went down as small school Alabama A&M, who I told you about last week, who was 4-0. They took an L. And also the Winthrop Eagles under head coach Pat Kelsey out of the Big South Conference, I believe it is. Winthrop took their first loss of the year. Drake is uh, on top of the Missouri Valley Conference. They are... Undefeated. They had been off for 23 days, and the Drake Bulldogs came back and won three straight games. They're 17 and 0, and they're ranked 25th in the nation right now. Um, If the Bulldogs can win the next three games, uh, they'll be in line to be taking on the Loyola of Chicago team that has only lost three games. They would be, when they meet, for uh, back-to-back Valentine's Day weekend games on the 13th and 14th, it they could be t- uh, Drake could be 20 and 0, and Loyola could be 17 and 3. If that happens, uh, try to get to your TV because it should be a fun one. Drake is led by a strong power forward in Darnell Brody. Brody averages eight points, eight rebounds, and in only 21 minutes a game, sometimes Brody gets into foul trouble. Um, What I've noticed about the Drake Bulldogs is that they seem to uh, either win by the inside or win by the outside. It never seems like there's a lot of both going on at the same time. I've only seen them play two or three times now. In one game, it seemed like Brody dominated the whole time, and then this past week they had a game – where they hit six first half threes. So uh, look out for Drake and Loyola, the Ramblers uh, they're they're beating opponents right now by 23 over 23 points a game in their 14 wins. So Loyola's smashing teams, and they're on a head to head, Roller coaster crash, train wreck, whatever it's going to be when it happens, Drake versus Loyola of Chicago. In the West Coast Conference, BYU is in second place behind the Zags. They're 14 and four. BYU's losses come to the University of Southern California, Boise. The Zags and Pepperdine. None of no, none of those are bad losses, except maybe Pepperdine. In the OVC, Belmont's only loss came to Samford, and uh, they have a guy that I'm worried about for Eastern Kentucky, who trails Belmont in the OVC. Um, wondering about the big man matchup when it happens between Nick Mazinski and Trey King of EKU. Mazinski is a six foot eleven. Uh, Power forward, who is the the big man for the Belmont Bruins, and Trey King is going to be the matchup for him when they play in a couple weeks for Eastern. Folks, I have just given you my mid-major minutes. We're going to be talking about all sorts of stuff, including the Big Ten SEC uh, Challenge, maybe some stuff on the Atlantic 10, and a whole lot more Coming up next in our signature bit, Guru Vision with the SEC guru, Will Turpin. This is On the Mark with Mark Phages. Please come on back. Welcome back, folks, to On the Mark with Mark Fages. I'm Mark. This is my college basketball podcast. We're back, and we're ready to go down the stretch with all the big stuff going on in college basketball, talking about top 25 teams and the better conferences now, including the Big 12 and the SEC, among other schools bringing in my friend here he's been here for every week we've done this show coming to you from danville kentucky we've got him on skype here the sec guru the guy that the segment's named after guru vision will turpin welcome back how are you doing today sir
2: Doing great, Mark. Uh, Just excited to be sitting here covering college basketball. So glad it hasn't gotten completely shut down. Can you hear me (laughs) now?
0: Yeah, it's good to be here. It's good to be here, Mark. Welcome back. Um, Hope you had a good week. Uh, Been enjoying the process of uh, making this show better from week to week. Uh, We've uh, kind of found more time, and we're starting to get a little bit more comfortable with what we're doing. Uh, I guess – Here at Guru in Guru Vision, we were going to start the segment off talking about the Big 12 SEC Challenge and some of the bigger uh, upsets. Uh, I do believe that you had your eyes on one of the biggest upsets of the week in the Oklahoma Sooners beating the Alabama Crimson Tide, the red hot Alabama Crimson Tide, 61 66. you want to talk about that game because that was one of the biggest games of the week, I think.
2: Yeah, it was. I mean, Oklahoma, they're, they're playing 10 guys now. I mean, Lon Kruger's just, this team's just gotten better and better and better. Uh, They can play any style. That's what I really like about Oklahoma. And that's why I like their chances in March because they can match up against the team if they want to play fast, slow, uh, Austin Reeves, he's doing it all, but uh, Lon Kruger, give him credit. Uh, he realized that this team was lacking some three point punch, and uh, all of a sudden, you started seeing uh, a Moa Gibson's minutes go up into the thirties. The last three games, and uh, he's a guy that's just consistently now knocking down threes at over a forty percent clip since his so minutes went up. So uh, that's kind of a team. I don't think so anybody. So
0: they're wants to play. Uh, they're very. What's the word I'm looking for? they're adaptable. I mean, they, they beat Texas and Texas was down two starters, a key reserve and Shaka smart all out. And I, I, I guess that would seem like they should win that game, but then they play somebody like Alabama, who's running over everybody. And, uh, and this is what you get. So you've, You've got a lot of weapons, I guess, to work with there with uh, Oklahoma, Lon Kruger's team.
2: Yeah, I mean he's he's took uh, you know he's he's like I said when you got ten different weapons that puts you in a good spot. So I mean I guess they're doing
0: better than perceived because I looked at Lindy's and Lindy's had preseason of course. Lindy's had Oklahoma at six. Like right in the middle of the pack with Oklahoma State, and uh, you know probably the number one draft pick uh, to come out this year, we're imagining McN- uh, in Cade, C- Cade Cunningham, Cade uh, Cunningham. Oklahoma then loses to Texas Tech. Who, man. I've gotta think, I don't know who's what's the stronger conference if it's the big ten or if it's the big twelve, but it's it's really starting to feel like the big twelve is probably the best right now. I was saying the big ten a week or two ago, but I'm kind of feeling the big twelve right now. What do you think of that, will?
2: Yeah, I think one through seven uh they're they're definitely the best conference. Uh, I really think that uh, – really, I think what really makes it so great about them is they, they can all play so many different styles. They're like Oklahoma, like Texas Tech. There's another team that's just super gritty. I mean, they can they can win a game and not even score 60 points, Texas Tech has. You know, they've done that multiple times. Yeah. Um, but uh, I do think Ohio State's, though, uh, Smitty's team, though, that's a team that's uh, – just outside of my Power Eight school, you know, teams that I really, I think they're really starting to come into play. I think we may have to talk a little bit more about them next week.
0: Smith uh, Smith likes that type of talk. He likes he likes when you say that his Buckeyes are
2: in your Elite Eight.
0: We're going to be talking about that a little bit later, but right now, Coltrane, he's got uh, he's got your Buckeyes up there, man. They're dangerous. Um. So. Also things – so we found out the – it was very close. The SEC was 4-5 and in the Big 12 Challenge. Uh, A big score came from Tennessee who throttled Kansas by 19 points. Uh, I I feel like – I think we've talked about this in the last night or two, that uh, it seems like the Kansas Jayhawks have been slipping and that they could be a pretender.
2: Yeah, I mean, I think they're a decent team. Uh, they're just they're just outclassed. I mean, they're, you know, Texas is better than them, and clearly Baylor's. You know, Baylor may win the national championship. I mean, they're just that good. I mean, they're 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 the most impressive team to me uh, week in and week out because of the schedule they're playing. I think that's the only thing I worry about Gonzaga. Even you know, I, I don't want to get too far ahead, but like Baylor's just playing a really tough schedule, and uh, I mean, they're going to lose some games. They're going to lose a couple of games along the way here, but they are just superior every night and they make those winning plays and that's the team that really i think just puts this conference over the top is the big 10 just doesn't have a doesn't have a baylor in it even as good as michigan is they're just not a baylor
0: not the same thing different animals all together uh you've discussed it before and i think i think everybody knows when they look at it it's gonzaga and baylor and then everybody else like you you said the other night that those are easily the top two, and then the drop-off to three is significant from there. It's Gonzaga, Baylor, and then a significant drop-off to number three. Could you, could you explain the differences that make Baylor and Gonzaga so much better than these next eight teams in the top ten?
2: Yeah, I mean, if you look around scoreboards around the nation, you're seeing some weird-looking numbers. I mean, I'm seeing teams not even get out of the 50s. You're seeing halftime scores like 24 to 23, weird stuff. And Baylor and Gonzaga, they're not having trouble scoring the basketball. They've not had any any points at all. I mean, they're not even having two- and three-minute lags. I mean, they're just so consistent offensively, and they're just – far superior to everybody else I mean maybe a Michigan team with the right kind of defense could hang with one of those teams you know Texas Tech's a gritty team but I mean they don't have enough scoring even I mean those just teams they just score the ball and they they just separates them I think from everybody else I mean I think both those teams have like five guys that are shooting over 43 percent from three-point range I mean they have so many weapons I mean they can just score
0: Guru, we've talked about this before, and I'm I'm curious. Um, you know, Gonzaga has to have a strong non-conference schedule, which they do. They're undefeated. They've beaten good teams. Uh, we've talked about this, though, if there's going to be a lagging where they have to go and they have to play in their conference, and there's not a lot of real challenging teams for them beyond BYU. Uh I don't think there's too many teams that are going to threaten. I think I don't think St. Mary's is anything spectacular. We were talking about the drop off from them playing the non-conference and having all these challenges that they had to undertake, only to go into conference play where it's it is it's, it's got to be harder for them to get up for games, and once they get the number one seed, which is likely going to happen, they're going to get a number one seed is who they draw in the tournament and having to, to take it back up that notch to where they were when they were playing in non-conference ball. I hope I'm making sense and I'm wondering how you feel about Gonzaga contrasting from having to play tough teams to playing not as tough teams. To going to the ncaa tournament
2: yeah that's a great point you and i have actually conversated a little bit about this over the phone but yeah that that's a great uh piece to look at is when you're playing two and a half months against teams that you don't even have to show up and you can win by 20 i mean and then you have to turn that switch on and, or as you look at a team like uh baylor you know they're consistently playing. Uh, NCAA tournament quality team. So, like, when you look at Gonzaga, you know, that first-round game may be easy as a one seed, but from there, it's five straight games against really good teams. Right. Um, And since we're talking
0: about uh, Gonzaga, it's a point, a a little statistic I'm throwing out there that I told you last night. Corey Kispert, he is the first player in 30 years – to average 20 or more points off of 55% shooting from the field, 45% shooting from three-point land, and 90% from the line. He's the first guy in over 30 years to be a part of scoring over 20 points in the 55-45-90 club
2: yeah that's pretty elite, <laughs> no doubt. It reminds me of that preacher boy that Boston drafted. Where did he play at Oklahoma last year? I think he was a fifty forty ninety guy, but not a fifty forty five ninety
0: it's uh that's a pretty special thing, will. and uh, yes it it's it's really going to be interesting. We haven't really talked about Gonzaga uh, too much in the first four weeks that we've that we've done the show, but it seems like, you know, they've got they're loaded. They have a lot of players. I, I believe I counted that they had four, if not five, of the top twenty players in the country. So, you know, you've got all those weapons. How do you keep everybody occupied and and happy? You know, with enough touches and stuff. It's just I don't know, man. It's just it, it's it's going to be interesting to see how they come back in the tournament after having to play in a mid-major conference after playing against a lot of killer teams.
2: Yeah, I mean, I agree. I think it'll be real fun to see how they do it. But Mark Few, I mean, this is probably his best squad. I mean, he's actually got legit NBA talent. You know, he's had some really good seasons out there, but he didn't have ballers like he's got now. I mean, he's got legit probably – at least three guys that'll be drafted in the top 15, 20 picks in the NBA draft coming Amazing. up. So, you know, yeah, the, the Gonzaga is no longer this little engine that could, I mean, they're, they got legit five-star players on their squad now. And uh, so, you know, this is the, if Mark Few's ever going to win one, this is the year that I think he's got the best chance. Yeah. And
0: I guess kind of to close out on, on the Gonzaga, I'm talking about Gonzaga today, but is it a case where ever, they will ever jump conference? Because there's a couple schools in there that are okay. They're just not Gonzaga. You know, St. Mary's puts out good teams. BYU puts out good teams. But they're not Gonzaga. Will, will Gonzaga yeah, ever never- leave the West Coast Conference?
2: I think they had an opportunity a few years ago to maybe get in that Pac-12, and they didn't uh, didn't pursue it hard enough. That's a great question. Uh, they just haven't figured out where they can go that's really going to benefit them. But uh, that would have uh, to me. I think the Pac-12 should have figured out some way to have gotten them in there because their their location, everything just makes it perfect fit. And they uh, you fo- know, it's so not like the Pac-12. They don't have football though,
0: do they? It. They don't have
2: football though. Yeah, that's a problem. But it yeah. might be time to get football. Because your basketball is so good, it might be time to get football you know that might be something to think about just so you can uh, you know you're losing a lot of money by playing in that conference
0: you know? if they if they got that football they'd end up being like Northwestern in the Big Ten or Vanderbilt in the SEC you know yeah I'm yeah, just kind I'm of just about what it... turning the wheel <laughs> <laughs> sure.
2: But yeah, they're they're definitely leaving a lot on the table, and, it, and it's hurting uh, you know their long term success. I think as far as just trying to play in such a small school. I mean, who wants to come out there and you're on TV at 10, 11, 12 o'clock at night? It's just not an ideal situation for any East Coast player to to go out there. But give him credit, he's recruiting the hay out of the West Coast players. So
0: yeah, he's 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 got uh, a pretty good thing going there in Spokane. Team you were talking about last re- last week, Will, was uh, Florida State, and you'd been really really hyped and, and high on them, and and they're doing good things, but uh, unfortunately they've had to postpone their next three games, including a game against uh, a team that you've been talking highly, the Virginia Tech. Uh, is that the Hokies? Or the Hokies of Virginia Tech. They had to uh, cancel games against uh, Boston College, Pitt, Virginia Tech, and now Florida State's next game isn't until the 13th against Wake. Um, Does this slow down the momentum of Florida State, or does this leave them positioned in the position they're in now that they've moved into the top 25? Should they be okay there until they play Wake?
2: Yeah, I think they're a really good team, uh, but they're they were a long ways away from maybe getting up inside the top my top ten. But it's definitely going to slow them down. I think. I mean, anytime you have a situation where you can't practice, uh, I think that's you know it's that's even bigger than to me not having games because you're just not doing any basketball activities. So that can mess up your conditioning, and that, I mean that can throw everything out of whack. But they're a deep team. Uh, I think they're. To me, they're probably the second or third best team in the ACC. Uh, but I really like the Virginia Tech team. That's the team I think is trending up big time. But it was kind of funny that they were going to play Boston College tonight. And, uh, Boston College didn't, their coach didn't want to play the game. And the administration said, oh, no, you know, y'all are going to play the game. And they, I guess they got lucky that Florida State, um, ended up having that happen because Boston College only was going to have three players. They were going to have to play with four walk-ons, and they had uh, managers to fill out. uh, They were picking people up off the street literally just to come in and have a live practice, Uh, Boston College was. And their administration already told them they were going to have to play the game, and the coach was like, ah, really? And uh, so, yeah, they were lucky that they don't have to play that game tonight against Florida State because they would have been playing it with uh, three (laughs) walk-ons.
0: right on so um before we go and talk about your elite eight we're going to uh, talk about a couple of the better teams in the Big East uh, thoughts on Nova that I'm I'm imagining Nova's been out a long time it seems like they haven't played and uh, yeah I just they, it seems like they've been at the top of the mountain and uh, when was the last time they played
2: yeah they- I'll, I'll go fast on it I mean they just now kind of got back off that. They're, they're playing now. I think they've played 12 games, maybe 11 and one. That's off the top of my head. I can't remember. But they're so efficient. Uh, the, if you get a chance to watch them, definitely do it. This Colin Gillespie, he's a he's a treat to watch. He's got a four to one assist turnover ratio, and he's got his hands and he's got his ball uh, the ball in his hands pretty much the whole time for Nova. The guy has 12 turnovers in 12 games, and that's astonishing for a guy that has you know, like I said, the ball in his hands. 80% of the time when they've got the ball. So, uh, you know, they're only averaging eight turnovers a game. Uh, Jay Wright's just got another team that's built to go to the Final Four. That's what it boils what's down the, to.
0: What's the name of the kid, the forward? He's got the the double last name, like Robinson Earl or something like that. Jeremiah Jer- – is it Jeremiah oh, Robinson Earl? Do I have the right name? Uh, Smith, do you know about that? Nova, uh, I can't, Villanova? I can't remember uh, – He's he's real good. The kid with the, the hyphenated last name, he plays real well for for Villanova. Creighton they're super is, efficient. When you're only Creighton, turning it over,
2: yeah, eight times, you can win a lot of games like that.
0: Creighton is uh still ranked. They uh they're hanging in there in the rankings. Have anything you want yeah, to mention? They're really about good too.
2: Uh McDermott's team. Yeah, I think they're really good. The only problem with Creighton I've noticed is they struggle with the longer athletic teams and they're getting dominated on the offensive backboards. Uh, But they shoot well enough to mask the problem. So, you know, but a team that can really defend the three uh, and, you know, has some size on the backboard, that gives Creighton a hard time. I just don't see them making a deep run. I really don't. Okay, so their
0: outside shooting is what saves Creighton. Um, it does. UConn had moved into the top 25 and then quickly, I believe, moved out They're They're down some personnel. Um, I've been impressed with the play of Isaiah, uh, Whaley, Whaley is a guy who normally comes off the bench. I think he's starting now that James Boyknight has been out with that, uh, hyper elbow, the, the elbow that Boyknight. uh, the, that Boyk not hurt has caused Isaiah Whaley to be able to get in there and uh, do do his damage, and he's been blocking a lot of shots. Will, this program has moved pretty quick. I got about a minute to talk about Xavier, and then this show is over, buddy. I wanted to make a point that yeah. the Xavier Musketeers have got a guy that's uh, – shooting 52% from three-pointer. He leads the nation in three-point percentage. Nate Johnson, Nate Johnson, 52% from outside. Guru, um, we're going to bring Will on, right? Uh, no, your Will, Guru. Bringing Randall in here. Um, we wanted to uh, make sure that we dedicated this show to the memory of the great John Chaney, who passed away on Friday, The Temple Owls head coach, coached for 24 years. He took the Owls to 17 NCAA tournaments, coached such great players as Eddie Jones and Aaron McKee, was a well-known and celebrated fixture in the city of Philadelphia. And uh, Fran Dunphy, his successor, called him uh, the type of guy that would put his arms around you and bring you into his family going to miss John Cheney. He's been retired for a while, but uh, he's a legendary coach. He won the 1978 D2 National Championship at a school in Philadelphia, fittingly called Cheney, (laughs) and uh, he was twice the national coach of the year. Took Temple to five Elite Eights. Randall, do you have something you want to say here for a second about John Cheney?
1: Uh, I think we lost a great one um, this past week, John Chaney. Um, one thing I always – I'm going to bring it up in my show tomorrow under my, one of my black history uh, people that I'm going to talk about over the month, and I am started off with John Chaney. He was just one of those coaches that you were scared of as a little kid, just looking at his presence, but you always knew that he was a great coach. Always think about the um, the infamous um, argument that he got into with, with John Perry back in 1994. Um, they ended up being very good friends, too. Ended up being very good friends. One thing about John, Ch- it just always brings you back to Saturday afternoons when you didn't have anything to do as a kid, young teen, and you just would turn on Atlantic 10 and you would see those Temple Owls and those um, UMass Minutemen and Fordham and uh, Xavier and uh, we lost a great one, man. Temple was one of those teams that you just always said uh, he's a they're they're an elite eight team because they always made so many different elite eights, and um, just lost a good one this week.
0: So rest in peace, John Cheney. Uh, guru Will Turpin, thank you for being here. Smith Coltrane, my producer, thank you for being here. You have been watching on the mark with Mark Phages, a college basketball podcast. We'll be here next week at two o'clock on Wednesday. Please tune in to the Score on Air Network. Hope you enjoyed the show, folks. See you next week. See ya.
2: Oh, Cheney, you could—he well, would always—you uh, could look into his eyes. He just stare him down. Five Elite Eights
0: in 24 years is an pretty impressive mark for the great John Chaney. You have been listening to On the Mark with Mark Fages, a college basketball podcast. This program is exclusively on the Score On Air Network, part of the Ohio Media School. Please join us again Wednesday at 2 p.m. or catch the replay. This has been On the Mark with Mark Fages. Tune in next week.